What's up, guys? I'm Chad Broussard. I'm your host, and this is Street Sharp, a hangout spot for entrepreneurs that grind every day, hustle every angle, and end up at the top. Join me while we talk to like-minded individuals and get straight to the point. Hey, buckle up, guys. I'm Chad Broussard. I'm your host, and this is Street Sharp. We are back with Fabio Passos of Milestone Mortgage. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about uh, personal budgets that kind of incorporate into your uh, mortgage of your home with pre- pre-qualifications and, and such. Um, so what is up, Fabio? What's happening, Chad? How are you doing, man? I'm I, glad to be back here. This is a beautiful office. I, I, I'm super excited. So, um, a lot of people don't have this information. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's basic information that everybody mm-hmm. needs to know because these podcasts in season one mm-hmm. – is a series of buying your home and in sequence. And that's why it took us a little bit uh, longer to get this uh, part B with you. Uh, you and I both got, just got back from Miami. Um, I know that in our last uh, podcast, we talked about you expanding into the Florida market. Um, you know, that mastermind group that I, we, we constantly talk about for real estate, you know, there's people constantly looking for mortgage brokers and real estate agents mm-hmm. in the Florida, South Florida, Miami mm-hmm. area. I know West Palm Beach, uh, you know, uh, housing is really affordable. What, what what exactly happened when you went down to Miami? Yeah, definitely. So, we have, besides having a blast and the weather being awesome compared to what we had here, you know, a few weeks ago. No was, doubt. It was we beautiful. We freezing. All my plants are dead. Yes. But uh, so it was good to go hang out at 70, 75 degree weather there uh, and get to meet some really awesome people. Uh, so we are a few days away from getting licensed officially in Florida. Uh, we had a first meeting with a, a team of real estate agents down in Miami. Um, they've been really good f- friends of ours for a long time and kind of basically waiting for us to get licensed there to do business. And uh, we're excited, really excited. The market there is hot, and um, there's a lot of opportunity for wholesale lender, lenders like me, uh, which, you know, the market is dominated by retail lenders there where they have a really high profit mortgage per loan, uh, high profit margin per loan, uh, which means we're going to be able to go in offering a lower rate and a better product to the consumer, uh, especially the Hispanic population that has a lot of Latinos, South Americans that live in Miami. They're going to be able to see and take advantage of a lower rate. And with so, you being from Brazil and knowing the language, I know your, exactly. your native language is yeah, Portuguese, be, but know, it's still Spanish. So I'll um, be right in my mix there. Um, yes, you'll be able yeah. to help people a little bit more than you know they'd get otherwise. Yeah, we have a very diverse group of loan officers here in Lafayette. And we're going to basically have our, our headquarters here in Lafayette. Our plan is to process and underwrite everything from Lafayette and originate loans all over the coast, all the way from Texas to Miami. So Texas, Louisiana, Alabama, and Miami, we're going to incorporate all the Gulf states. But uh, the headquarters will be in Lafayette. We already have a f- big fancy office here on Seller's Trace. It is beautiful. And we're going to continue to to grow uh, in the processing and underwriting, uh, which will help build more jobs here for the Lafayette area, which will be awesome for the area. But, you know, in Miami, the mentality is a little different. Everybody works from home. Everybody works on a computer with COVID. So there's uh, a lot of people that have moved to Miami from other parts of the country because of COVID exactly, and exactly. working uh, remotely. Basically, New York is moving to Miami. It's crazy. Um, they said if there's another lockdown, they want to be locked down at the beach, not in a condo in New York. So there's a lot of <laughs> I, people moving there. I agree. I, I'll be uh, locked down in Miami know, for our, sure. Our friends that are realtors there, they're super busy. The market is crazy. So we're going to see, you know, give it a good whack there. And uh, something I always wanted to do that was always on my to-do list. I've been 20 years in the business, and I've been talking about doing this for 10 years. I think finally we're in the right position, you know, financially to, to be able to do that with uh, and have a really high – chance of success yeah i mean proper growth is based on you know uh a speed and most uh businesses fail 
uh, statistically from uh, rapid growth. You know, too yeah. too much, too big. The financially, you can't sustain the, the yeah, impact. We're gonna, you know, step by step. Don't forget where we come from. Grow here. Continue to grow here in Lafayette. We are already at twenty percent more than where we were in, at this time last year. So you're so mm-hmm. close mm-hmm. to the Miami deal uh-huh. that you told me. Uh, is it next weekend you're flying back and you're going to secure a condo? Yeah, actually, we're flying back Tuesday uh, looking at all the properties that are, that are uh, listed you know, by our friend as a realtor there. And then we're probably going to sign a six-month lease. I told my wife the lease is going to happen is we're going to have a, a condo in Miami for the next six months. So it's not too shabby. I house sit very well on weekends, just letting you know that. You coming with Jess for sure. <laughs> all right. And, uh, so you know, we're going to have a good time and then uh, develop. A lot of relationships that continue to develop and, and then actually be licensed and be able to get some business. And then we go from there and see how, where, where does it go? How far does it take us? It's a huge market, so it's very different, but I think we, we, we're going to do well. Yeah, and I think uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I'm, obviously Jess works very close with you with mm-hmm. our bungalows and our houses. You're our preferred lender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jess is already talking about getting a team together to work with you down in, in that area to mm-hmm. where uh, she'll have a team here and then she'll have a team in Miami. Mm-hmm. And then so, you know, we already have a preferred lender, go, so awesome. kind of a team. Keeps it's funny. Team I was actually talking to to one of the realtors there. They have a developer that's building ninety houses in Santa Rosa, mm-hmm. and they're saying that the people buying a the house there are rich people from Louisiana, Mississippi, and Texas, mainly. And uh, what did you say excited. about Santa Rosa? Uh, ninety homes in Santa Rosa Beach. Wait, bungalows at Santa Rosa. What uh, did you bungalows say? Bungalows in Santa Rosa yeah. sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the right name, and in, in, you know. We can make it that happen for sure. So they're excited to have a preferred lender from the area where they're gonna, where the buyers are gonna come from mainly. So uh, is already the first partnership has already hit the nail on the head. So we're excited about that. And you know, the sky's the limit there. So we'll see what happens. All right. So uh, let's uh, move on. So the, mm-hmm. the getting straight to the point kind of mm-hmm. thing is uh, the personal budget is super important. Um, we know from a mortgage broker standpoint, when you're when you're looking at an individual that wants to get prequalled, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that you look at to get that prequal done as far as percentage wise? What's the rule that you have in place? You yeah, no, the, the rule is usually one third. So 30 percent is the housing expense. Thirty three percent, twenty nine. Thirty percent. And that's with escrows. That's yeah, insurance. The whole house, yeah, okay. 30% of your gross income, right. um, not the net income. So that's how much you can qualify for normally. It can go up and down a little bit. Um, and then there's a front ratio and a back ratio that we do the math. Um, but, you know, I always tell people just because you qualify for something doesn't mean you need to push to the limit. So I wanted to share a little bit of my insight. I'm always a numbers guy, and I've always done a personal budget in my house. I implement this, like, Every day. And it seems wife. like it served you well, too. It's been working. And, it, you know, as you do it, it's, it gets on autopilot once you do it constantly. And then when you look back after doing it for a year or two or three, then you start seeing, oh, man, this thing is working. And, mm-hmm. and then your little net sags start growing. And, you know, with the market doing well, the stock market doing well, you start seeing some of the fruits of your labor and the savings. And so it's about being disciplined. But I think, you know, I like to share that kind of information with the public because most people don't have a guide. You know, most people skip finance class in college or high school, and they don't look back, and they don't like it. They don't want to talk about it. But it really can change your life. It's a few minor things that you can do that can change your life, John. And what is um, one of the major things that you can do when you're setting a personal budget? What, it, what, what would really help someone out just getting started that wants to buy a house? First thing. Yeah, so the number one rule that I like to follow is called the 70-20-10 rule, okay? So basically what that is, is you allocate 70% of your budget towards lifestyle. 
So what's lifestyle? Lifestyle is housing, Netflix, cars, loans, tuition, anything that you spend uh, just living. Whatever it is that I mean, some people pay tuition, some people don't. Some people have a car note, some people don't. Some people have student loans, some people don't. Um, and then 30, 30 of the 70%, 30% of the 70% should be housing expense. But, but look at the difference. So the, the living budget and the mortgage budget are different. Of course, a lot of people are pushing the mortgage budget, which you will you know, not allow them to go take their wives on a date and go get some sushi. Right. Or even a vacation. Or a vacation or anything. Th- so those they, are the needed resets yeah, that we which, all have. I agree. And you don't, you don't want to live to pay your mortgage. You know? So if you can be disciplined and follow those steps, get a pen. Please write it down. This is super important, guys. Um, 30% of the 70%, not 33% of your gross income, okay. you know, is housing expense. So rent or mortgage payment. So try to keep your mortgage payment or rent payment. At 30 of the 70%. 70% of your gross income. Correct. So take Correct. 70% of your gross income, yeah. calculate it at 30. for lifestyle, 30 of the 70 for housing, and 20 of the net income go towards debt reduction. Okay. Wh- so, which is tuitions, which is loans. Exactly, like student loans, credit card debts, okay. stuff like that. A lot of people will say, oh, I'm going to put money in my 401k, but they ha- owe all this money in, in, the, in credit cards. Well, pay off the credit cards first. Make a list of all your debts in order of interest rate. So the higher interest rates first with the lowest balances, okay? So let's say you have four credit cards, and one is a balance of 517%. Well, you need to pay that one first before you knock out the 5,000 credit cards, mm-hmm. you know, just to get it out of the way. So list everything. I have a form. It's called personal budget form. It's on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, I'll be glad to send to anybody that, you know, that's listening to this podcast. If they can reach out to me and send me an email at Fabio at MilestoneLA.com, I would love to forward this to you and kind of actually teach you and go over. I teach all my employees and I teach all my clients this information. So I like to talk about personal budget. You know, I'm a numbers nerd guy. So, so what you're <laughs> offering is education to, to folks, education that you've put together over yeah, the years. I, and you're is, willing to give this away to these this guys. This is my why. I love helping people budget and, and save more money and therefore make more money and then help them save the money for a down payment on a house. You know, that could, that's a life-changing thing. With the oil field, you know, debacle that's been happening in the last few years, so many people are losing their houses, losing in the last four everything. Months. In the last four months. Uh, uh, yeah, right. Recently? <laughs> and then Recently. And we got election changing, right? Yeah. Well, uh, I was going to say, I just said the last four yeah, months. Right? We got, yeah. And, and you have COVID and you have, man, it's, it, I mean, if you did not have a savings and COVID hits you, you just got kicked in the chin. I mean, your house is in forbearance or, well, you know, or deferment. And there's so, going to so be like, whenever, whenever this the, goes away, there's going to be a massive number of foreclosures or, or bankruptcies. So you, you know? said having money put aside. Mm-hmm. So I want, I want to, I want to back up just a hair when mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to cut you off. Yeah. But how many, how, how much money does somebody need to have? Uh, listen, a responsible adult that pays their bills regularly with no delinquencies on their credit, um, you know, has a really good job, has a house mortgage, how much money should they have put up? The magic number is six months. You need to have six months reserves of whatever your your monthly expenses are. So if you do the personal budget form and you add everything, so you add tuition, mortgage payments, car notes, student loans, credit card debt, whatever Starbucks. Else. Starbucks, right? That's a big <laughs> one that you can cut. Um but you know what your survival number is. So figure out the personal budget is going to show you your survival number. 
survival number means the minimum amount of money that you need to make that month to pay your bills. Your minimum bills. Not, not, not pay off your credit card. Pay your minimum. Not payments. including like PayPal, Apple Pay, yeah, okay. cable bill. That, yeah, all that kind of stuff can LUS be cut off. Fiber, LUS, yeah. Include all the things that, you, that come out of your checking account on, on a monthly basis. Okay. Okay. So have so that number could be depending on the family. Let's say somebody. I like to say somebody that a household that makes ten thousand a month just for math. Okay. Purposes. Right. So you get two to three thousand dollars a month. You know, for that budget. Uh, it shouldn't be more than that. If it's more than that, then you kind of rethink of your car note not being fifteen hundred bucks a month, right? You know? uh, and then lower it to what it should be. Um, so do, follow those numbers. Twenty percent of the net income go towards debt reduction. So if you have credit card debt, you should start paying that off first. Um, you got to pay that off, and then ten percent of your of your save of your income goes towards savings. So you're paying twice as much off that you're saving in the beginning. Okay. Until you pay off your credit cards, and then you can put actually 30% towards savings or, you know, reward yourself and buy something nice, you know, when you're out of debt. Credit card debt as a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. You know, when people come to you to get pre, pre-qualified, and we, we send bunches of folks to you, how much credit card debt do you look at to say, hey, we need to back up a little bit? Yeah, I've seen some crazy numbers. Um, and, you know, it's all relative to the income, right? Uh-huh. So right. if you make... Well, sometimes, you know, huh? Sometimes. <laughs> you know, I've seen so I had a client ask me to, to not show the, the credit card debt to her husband on a 1003. You know, I was like, uh, I can't Ooh. do that. Sorry. But, you know, it was somewhere in the 55000 range of debt. At what percent? Card. At 17%. That's so crazy. You do the math on that. that will, I mean, it's, it's like swimming in, in the Man. Amazon against the current. Yes. Okay? You're never going to catch up no. with that kind of stuff. So. Um, why put money in a 401k if you have that much debt? Right, right. right. You're just so spending you, your wills. You maybe you should yeah. get a second job to pay off that debt mm-hmm. and eventually get out of there and then put money in a 401k. So uh, having a personal budget is about first things first. And getting out of debt is your number one enemy, debt, high interest debt. Um, if you have equity in a house, you can do a home equity line of credit at 4%. Oh, right. You know, and it, pay off your credit it, card. Yeah. So there's some tricks that you can do. That's why home ownership is so awesome. Because as you pay your mortgage every month, you build your savings. You know, it's like a forced savings. Right. And so when you right. when you do, mm-hmm. he, he thought, how does that affect your taxes when you get that money? Uh, for the home equity line of credit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, the home equity line of credit used to be tax deductible, the interest that, that you can deduct. Right. So now it's different. They changed the, the tax law a little bit. Now it depends on your income. So if you make, I don't know exactly, I'm not a CPA, but if it's like 100000 150000 or less, mm-hmm. you can deduct some of it. Okay. Um, but – it's still really low interest. So you're looking at an interest closer to the mortgage industry, not to 17. Credit card is what, and 13, higher. 17%? Sometimes higher. So it's follow. I like to talk about peop, to people about the rule of 72. Okay? Rule of 72 is a super important number. If you don't know what that is, you need to Google and find out what that is. If you're paying 17% uh, uh, interest on a credit card, mm-hmm. it won't be long until this number trip doubles and then triples right every time you hit the, the rule the seven the number 72 so if you if you do something for 36 percent times two in two years that number will double okay so divide 36 by two is 18 so in four years that number will double so if you're paying 18 percent of return uh, uh interest on a credit card interest on a credit card that balance will double every four years so think about that and another thing a lot of people don't know is the student loans that are deferred you know, for people that went to college and deferred their payments, mm-hmm. they don't even know that that interest is accruing daily. 
just because it's deferred, the, the bank didn't pause the interest, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that never happens. So then you borrow. I mean, I did a loan for a, 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 kid, a, a girl that went to vet, veterinarian school, which is awesome. So she was making good money. Uh, but she had to borrow something like around $250,000, okay? And the, the payments are deferred. So when that payment is going to kick in, she was going to have to pay three to 3500 bucks a month in student loans. And she didn't know, but the, the money is not free. The money sitting there accruing interest. So she's like, well, I'm not paying yet. Well, you're not paying, but the, the balance is growing. So a lot people need to know more. I mean, student loans, it's almost criminal what happens today with, with college students. They can get those loans so easily, and they don't know how bad they are for them or the details. When you're 18, 20, you're not reading the fine print on the, on, on the lending paperwork. So they need to be very careful with that um, and know that just because you're not paying doesn't mean your debt's not growing. So when you before we uh, started the podcast today, we mm-hmm. talked about uh, a funnel system for mm-hmm. your checking account. Mm-hmm. Um, you said we, everybody needs to create a system for that. Yeah, so <clears throat> I was in a court training like we talked about last podcast, and mm-hmm. I had a, this coach that was awesome. He's a finance brain too. His name is Chad Lubin. He's a loan officer from Chicago. I learned so much from him, and he, had, he taught me uh, the funnel system. So what that is is you have a series of, of – he had actually three or four checking accounts, so <laughs> which is a lot. I have two, okay? So I have my account with the, where the money goes in, and you have the account where the money goes out. So the account that the money goes in is only income going in. And I have two accounts at the same bank. So my all my checks are deposited into the money in account, and then you, you know what your survival number is, okay? So then you transfer the survival number to the account, to the money going out account. Okay, so what happens is a funnel. It's just like water going into a bucket. Mm-hmm. The money going in grows. Okay, so let's say I'm just going to come up with a number. Let's say you make 10000 net a month. All right. And your, your survival number is five. So you're putting 10000 a month in that account, and there's five going out, right, in mm-hmm. bills. Right. So that account grows 5000 a month. Now, that's a high number. I'm just using a, an even number to make it easy. But most people will be a net income of let's say a three to four thousand, and then the bills of two. So if you put four in that account, it's like putting four gallons, and you have two gallons coming out. Well, that four gallon account is going to grow, and then you that money goes towards savings. That money goes towards a fun trip with your family to the Caribbean, whatever it is that you want to reward yourself. You want to buy a toy, you know, your wife wants a toy. I know our wife likes a lot of toys, so. You know, that's the account. Said so when the when the bucket's full, baby, you can get a toy. Let's fill up the bucket first. Yes. Yeah. So yep. it's a it's an awesome system. You can Google and there's a lot of information online about this. I do it religiously every month. Um, my wife think I'm a you know I'm a budget Nazi, but <laughs> she understands uh, why we do it and how important it is to do that on a monthly basis. So what what about okay? So we talked about a funnel system. Going past that funnel system, mm-hmm. you set yourself up. We talked about a savings, and that kind of goes into a 401k. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me who a 401k works for and who a 401 because I, I know for me, 401k doesn't work with the industry I'm in because mm-hmm. I can invest my money mm-hmm. and make a higher percentage, you know, mm-hmm. as a builder in, yeah. in, in real estate right. than, I can't, than I ever will on a 401k. So yeah. where does that end up? Man, I see all kinds of arguments on 401k, and uh, – you know, I am a, a fighter for the 401k in most cases, but it's not for everybody. First of all, if you're self-employed or if you're, if you know, like you're a contractor, mm-hmm. so what yeah. do you do? 
What do you do with your profits? Well, you build another house. I reinvest it, correct. And you right. reinvest in that. Cash and is king, baby. the highest return on investment you can have by building another house, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you put money anywhere else? You know, you need to share the pie a little bit and have somewhat of a retirement like set, but it doesn't have to be a 401k. In a small business, you have all kinds of options like a, like a SEP or IRA, all kinds of stuff. But get together with a financial planner and set your goals. And guys, not all financial planners are created equal. Some of them are just insurance agents disguised as financial planners. I know you've had several conversations, if not arguments, with other people on 401ks. Yeah, yeah. We kind of got heated a few times. Uh, I know we've had that conversation. Well, some people just shoot a blank no, no to 401k. Mm-hmm. It's not right. And I put a little breakdown here that we can go over. So if you're an employee of a company that offers a 401k match, then the, you should do a 401k. Well, first, you need to pay off your credit cards. But once you get there or when you're close to paying off your credit cards, you can start contributing to a 401k. So this year, the maximum contribution for a 401k is nine, 19500 So think about this, Chad. We did a, a quick math again right. on, on the even numbers. So okay. if somebody that makes 100000 of income a month, right. they get a 4% match from their employee, from the employer, right? So if you make a hundred, you're going to get four grand from the employer. Well, let's say you're putting nineteen five a year, so therefore you're getting an extra four thousand, right, from from the contribution. Um, that's free money. So right there, that four thousand is already thirty two percent return on investment before it hit the market. So pe- most people don't think that way, but that free money that you're getting from the company it adds up. And again, going back to the rule of seventy two, if you're getting thirty two percent return on investment times two sixty four, you're almost there. Two point two five years. Your money doubles the first year. Now, of course, the more you have, it doesn't double every 2.25 right. years. But in the beginning, it's really important. You won't be long until somebody has 50 to 70 to 100 grand uh, in a 401k. The guys that argue with me on a 401k, they're not arguing with me anymore with two years of really high uh, returns on the stock market. You know, some people got 29% return on investment depending on where their 401k is allocated. So if you didn't have a 401k, you missed out on that profit, right? Um, and this is a, a square example. I did another one that's even higher, okay? So instead of putting the full amount, which very few people can do that, 19.5 is pretty steep coming out of your checking uh, of, your, of your pay stubs. But let's just say an even number. For someone that puts 10000 per year and they get the 4% match, so that's 14000 before it hits the market. Let's say they got 9% return on investment. The money will double in 10 months. So where can you get that kind of return on investment without high risk? So that's why I always call them the knuckleheads. They always talk bad about 401k. But it's not that 401k is bad for all. Not everybody wears the same hat, right? So if you're an employee of – I did a loan for a lady. She works for Arcadia and Ambulance. Mm -hmm. And uh, she had a retirement account. Well, they had a profit sharing with them. And, man, Acadiana Ambulance has been great, right, super powerful local company that blew up. If she wasn't participating on that, maybe she wouldn't be able to get some of the, sh- the profit sharing that she received. Mm-hmm. Um, so for big corporations or bigger companies that offer 401K, I would highly recommend that if you can max out, great. But you got to be making good money to max out your 401K. And then, again, so, so if they have any questions on – um, these equations. What's your uh, email again? That email you just yeah, gave out? Yeah, so it's Fabio at milestonela.com or my cell phone is 337-349-LOAN. You can text me anytime. I'll reply to you as soon as possible or send me an email. 
I, I'm passionate about budgeting and about numbers and about helping people make f good financial decisions, especially if it's going to allow them to buy a house. Like the buy the, the, home the, the ultimate American dream. Exactly. And, right. And in the future, you're going to be, you know, have a ton of equity. And it's most Americans, that's the, the biggest savings they have is equity. Um, so the 401k is kind of like a myth. I like to go over those numbers because most people don't think about, oh, my 401k only gets 3%, 5% return on investment. Well, if you add the match that you're getting from the employer, it's, it's a pretty substantial amount, right? Um, so that's, that's it on the 401k. I can go in and talk so much about it. I love it. Uh, but most people are missing out on it. So uh, you shouldn't. With 19500 a year, you shouldn't be missing out on the 401k. So if there's any last-minute advice before we end this podcast, mm -hmm. uh, we're right at 20-something minutes. You no. know, we want to make them easy listening uh, podcast. What, what's the ultimate thing you need to tell people when they're getting pre-qualified for a home? What's the one thing you want them to know? Um, know your credit score. Oh, that's huge. I think for anything right now, you need to know your credit score. Uh, there's a misconception there, and there's a lot of credit agencies that, that like to advertise and tell you what your credit score is. But remember this. If you can remember anything from this podcast, remember this. If it's not FICO, it's FACO, okay? <laughs> <laughs> There's multiple uh, different agencies with different scoring models, but the FICO is the best one. So if you want to check your own credit score, go to myfico.com. It's the best website. It's going to give you the accurate score. A lot of times I get a lead and they're looking at their app from their credit card and they say, oh, yeah, my credit score is 720. When I pull it, it's 690. You know? mm. So a lot of times the difference is 20, 30 points, but they're not looking at the FICO score. They're looking at some computer-generated score that doesn't use the same system. Uh, so FICO is the most accurate and is the one that we use for mortgages. It, you have to pay a fee. I think it's $18 or something like that, 9 to $18 on, on myfico.com. It's not free. You can get your free credit report, but then what's going to happen, you have all those people buying those leads, when you pull the credit, they're going to bombard you with junk mail, spam calls. My FICO, you don't have to worry about it. I mean, it's still going to have an inquiry, and they're going to call you, but right. you're paying for that report. Yeah. So it's a cleaner way of, of getting it. So uh, anybody listening to this podcast right now, if they say, I want Fabio Passos with Milestone Mortgage to prequal me for a home loan, mm -hmm. whether it's Louisiana, Mississippi, or Florida, how do they go about doing that with you? They can call me or text me anytime at 337-349-LOAN or apply on the website at milestonela.com. All right, guys. Well, this wraps it up for today. Thanks to Fabio Paso with Milestone Mortgage again for coming in on Part B of uh, the ABCs of financing and uh, mortgage lending on houses. Until next time, guys, thanks for joining us at Street Shark. Thank you.